they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter and the other disciples had returned to their old occupation of fishing. And even though Peter knew that Jesus had been resurrected, he was uncertain about his own future. What was supposed to happen now? All of Jerusalem was abuzz with the speculation and rumors, the threats from the religious leaders. These leaders were working hard to discredit the reports that Jesus had been raised from the dead, just as he predicted that he would be. The disciples were afraid, especially Peter, and uncertain about the role in the fledgling new church, and mainly because of his denial of Jesus. And with these thoughts swirling through his mind and all of the others, they fished all night, catching nothing. At the break of dawn, a man on the shore shouted out to them, Have you caught anything? And they said they had not. And so he told them, Cast your net on the other side. And when they did so, they brought in 156 large fish. And that's when John proclaims, It is the Lord! Upon hearing this, Peter jumps into the water, abandoning his struggling sea mates, and he swims to the shore. And as he trudges up on the beach, on the wet sand there, he sees Jesus standing by a small fire of coals with some fish. Two connections here should not escape our attention. First of all, the miracle was very similar to the very first time Peter met Jesus. In Luke 5, Jesus was just beginning his ministry, and he was teaching by the shore where the fishing boats were docked. And after fishing all night, Peter and his companions came in, and they were docking there. And Jesus said, let me get on your boat and preach. And so he allowed him to come out. They pushed out a ways. And Jesus, after preaching for a while, told them, let's go out for a catch. And I can just see the disgruntled look on Peter's face as this carpenter-turned-fishing guide tells them to go out again. And so they go out, and they catch a huge amount of fish, fill up two boats full of these fish. And upon realizing who Jesus is, Peter says, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. But Jesus responds, Don't be afraid, 
soon you will be catching men. I wonder if Peter was afraid of what Jesus would say after this miraculous catch. Had he disqualified himself as a catcher of men by his failure to stand with Jesus in his darkest hour? The second connection we need to make here is in regard to Jesus standing by this fire. I wonder if Peter remembered a similar fire that he was standing next to when he denied with curses that he even knew Jesus at all. All of this sets the stage for the conversation that we see recorded here in this text between Jesus and Peter, which Rachel just read. Imagine you're at work one day. You look out into the parking lot or perhaps down the hall of your office, and you see a man standing there. And one of your coworkers says, It's the Lord. How would you feel? I'm sure, like me, you'd have probably a mix of emotions. Like Peter, you might want to jump in the water and rush to him. Also, like Peter, you might wonder, is he going to be disappointed with me? Or perhaps even angry? Especially in light of all the times I have denied him in my life. We have all denied Jesus in various ways. And these denials expose a lack of love on our part. Regarding Peter, Jesus addresses this issue of love by speaking to him about four aspects of love. And we're going to look at these four aspects as we start a new series, a four-part series on love over the next number of weeks here. First of all, I want to focus on boastful love. After a breakfast of freshly caught fish and bread, a meal they'd probably shared hundreds of times during uh, Jesus' ministry over the previous three years, the Lord pulls Peter aside for a private conversation. He asks him, Do you love me more than these? The question is, what is he talking about? More than what? The fishing gear? The boat? The other disciples? Jesus cannot mean, Do you love me more than you love fishing? Because he doesn't ask any of the other disciples this in regard to fishing. They're all fishermen by trade. He cannot mean, do you love me more than you love these men? Because as the body of Christ now, they were called to love one another. What he means is, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? And the reason he asked this question is clear. It's because of Peter's previous boasting. Right after the Last Supper, Jesus takes his disciples up to the Mount of Olives for the last time. In Matthew 26, 31-35, Jesus says to them, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised, I will go up before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said again, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. Peter here in this conversation does something very interesting. He places himself in a separate category from the other disciples. He says, Though they all fall away, I will not fall away. In other words, he's saying, my love is greater than all of these others. 
I truly love you. Later, after Jesus had been raised from the dead and appears to the three women that brought the spices to the grave, the angel says to them, Go tell the disciples and Peter that Jesus is going on before them and will meet with them in Galilee. Interesting here how Peter is placed in a separate category from the other disciples, just as he placed himself previously in that separate category. And boastful love has this effect. It places us in a separate category from others. It says, I love Jesus more than these. These who are more sinful than me. These who do not serve as much as I do. Those who are in a different political category than me. If we remain in this boastful position, we are hindered in our ability to carry out the mission that God has for us. And Jesus knew that this was the case for Peter. The Lord had plans for him to become a prominent leader in Jerusalem, as we see in the book of Acts that he did become. But if Peter continued to think of himself as superior in his love for Jesus, he would not have made a very good pastor. He would have been always looking down on others instead of recognizing his own need for redemption, his own need for sanctification. And so God reveals to Peter his own weakness, as devastating as it was to his own self-esteem. He went out and he wept bitterly because he thought he was stronger. He thought he was different than the other disciples. He thought he was in a different category. And in this humbled state, he was ready to be restored to his leadership position. Has the Lord ever humbled you in this way? Well, do not despair. It only means that he wants you to recognize what you're made of. Which brings us to our next lesson about love. Limited love. When Jesus first begins to speak to Peter after breakfast, he addresses him in a curious way. He calls him Simon, son of John, instead of Peter or Cephas, the name that he'd given him in, first John, uh, in John 1 when he was calling him to be one of his disciples. And we must note that Jesus never wastes words. He picks his words very carefully to convey a certain message. And when he addresses Peter by his previous name, he's calling attention to his earthly heritage. He's highlighting his fallen condition. And the reason that Peter stumbled by betraying Jesus was because he didn't see the big picture. He was afraid to die. He was afraid to suffer. He was afraid to love Jesus like that. And this is the case for all of us in our fallen state. All we can see is the situation that's right before us. We can't see God's greater purposes. And I believe the air went right out of Peter's sails when Jesus rebuked him for cutting off the ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant. Because when the mob arrived, being led by Judas, all Peter could see was danger. All he could see was his desire to protect the Lord. And Jesus tells him, don't you know I can call 12 legions of angels to defend me? He was trying to get Peter to see the big picture, to see beyond what his eyes could see, to see in the spirit, rather. 
But in Gethsemane, Jesus was not talking to Peter the rock. He was talking to Simon, son of John. Simon only knew the love of violent defense, of striking out against those who threatened his plan. His love was limited to the present moment. And we can all fall into this trap when we walk by the flesh and not the spirit. We are limited in our love because we only see the moment that's in front of us. Our flesh longs to be comfortable. Our flesh longs to love as long as it's in our best interests. It's not selfless love, but rather self-protecting love. And in that moment, we are Simon, son of John. Not Peter, not Cephas, not the rock. We're not that name that he bestows on us in our new mission. Because when we love like Peter, the rock, then we're able to see the grand plan that Jesus has and the mission that he's given us. The next thing Jesus focuses on here is true love. After Jesus addresses Peter's boasting and his limited love, he goes on to show him what true love is by asking him three questions. These three questions correspond to the three denials that Peter made. And as we look at these questions, we must pay close attention to the Greek words that Jesus uses here in this exchange with Peter. The question Jesus asked three times is, Do you love me? And Peter, all three times, says, yes, I love you. In English, we don't see a difference between those words love in each use. But in the Greek, there are two separate words here used, agapeo and phileo. Let me just read the text with the Greek words inserted, and then I'll explain the difference in the meaning of the Greek words, and then I'll use those words in the rereading of it. Simon, son of John, Do you agapeo me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agapeo me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. He said, Tend my sheep. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you phileo me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I phileo you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. So what's the difference between agapeo and phileo, love? Agape love is generally understood to be the kind of love that is not based on merit, but rather is unconditional. It's the kind of love that God has for the world. For God so loved, agape, the world that he gave his Son. Even though most of the world does not acknowledge God and is saturated with sin, God still has agape love for it. He loves it unconditionally. Phileo, on the other hand, is the kind of love that is marked by affection, fondness, liking. Someone may unconditionally love their child, agape love them, without phileo loving them, actually liking them, because of the way that they're acting. The father of the prodigal son continued to love him without liking very much what he was doing 
and how he was blowing his inheritance on prostitution and wild partying. So let's reread the passage with these definitions in mind. Simon, son of John, do you unconditionally love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I have affection for you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, son of, Simon, son of John, do you unconditionally love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I have affection for you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you really have affection for me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, Do you really have affection for me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I really have affection for you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. This sheds some light on what's going on here. Peter couldn't bring himself to declare that he had agape love for Jesus. He didn't have unconditional love because of his terrible track record. But he still claimed that he had affection for Jesus. And the third time, Jesus gets to the heart of the matter and asks Peter, do you even like me? At this point, Peter is sad and appeals to Jesus' absolute knowledge. Jesus knew all people. And at the end of each question, Jesus tells Peter, feed my sheep. Essentially, he's saying to him, if you love me, prove it. In John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Doing what God commands us to do is the highest demonstration of our love for him. Jesus is telling Peter, demonstrate your love for me by loving those who I love the most, my flock. And how was he to love them? He was to feed them. In John 6.32, he told his disciples that the Father had given them true bread. Jesus' teachings are true bread. They satisfy the hungry soul. Peter was not to feed the sheep with his own opinions. As one who witnessed Jesus' ministry, he was to proclaim what he had seen and what he had heard to the future Christian church. And so do we love Jesus? Then our main mission in life should be to feed his sheep. And we don't do this because of what they can give us, whether it's money, accolades, strokes for our ego. That's what the hireling does. We feed them because Jesus loves them. The final kind of love here that's focused on is love unto death. Jesus gives him an admonition that shows him what kind of death he's going to face. Just as he prophesied that Peter would run from martyrdom in the Garden of Gethsemane, he now prophesies that he will embrace the ultimate display of love for the Lord by being crucified upside down in Rome. Jesus taught Peter in John 15, 12-14, he said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. We know that Peter learned his lesson because we see in 1 Peter 5, 1-2 that he says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as partakers in the glory that is going to be revealed. 
Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. In conclusion here today, what an amazing example that Peter gives to us. He goes from obscure fisherman to rash disciple to highly esteemed disciple to betrayer of Christ to unworthy follower to reinstated apostle to martyr. And you will go through multiple phases in your life as a disciple of Christ. Some weeks you'll be able to relate mostly to the beloved disciple. And other weeks, you'll know how it feels to be the betrayer of Jesus. But take heart, because Jesus didn't wash his hands of Peter when he was at his weakest. He continued to show him what true love is. And he will do the same for you, no matter where you're at in your journey. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the example of Peter, a man who was weak, a man who fluctuated between many different kinds of love and affection. Lord, help us to feed those around you, around us with the words that you've given us, those ones that you love so much. Teach us how to love truly, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.